0: Good morning everyone. This morning we are in Luke chapter 2. We are going to see this morning the birth of Christ and something that was long ago promised that a child would be born from the family line of David who would have an eternal kingdom and they were waiting many years for this child to be born. Uh, Israel was not in charge. They did not have their own land anymore. They They did not have a king on the throne. They were under Roman Empire rule, and they were looking toward a day when one day the Jews would be back on top again and that a Messiah would come to do that. Now, they were looking, the Jews that is, for someone to come and do that in their lifetime. And now we know that Jesus came as a babe and as a suffering servant to give his life to forgive the sin of all of mankind. And one day he is going to come again to rule and reign, just like they were thinking he would come. It's just that when he came as a babe, he didn't come the way they thought then, but he is coming again. And he will rule and reign the way that they thought he would. It just didn't happen in the sequence that they thought. So that's kind of important to know as we get into chapter 2 of Luke. And I also want us to remind ourselves that back in, you know, 500 years earlier, there was a prophet named Micah, and he said, but as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity, because Jesus was, there at the beginning, he was part of creation uh, with with God, and he is the, you know, the, the person of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is Emmanuel, which we're going to see he is God with us, but it was promised that this babe would come from Bethlehem. Uh, verse 3, therefore, of Micah 5, therefore he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. That's Mary giving birth to Jesus then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel, and he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will remain. And there, because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth, this one will be our peace. So we have this prediction about the Messiah child king, who would be born and that he would be born in Bethlehem. Now, what's interesting is that, how is that going to happen? Because Jesus is being born from a virgin, Mary, but she was betrothed to Joseph, and they had not been together sexually, and yet God impregnated Mary uh, by his Holy Spirit, but they weren't even in Bethlehem. So, God is going to get his word accomplished. He's going to He's going to get things done the way he said he was going to get it done. Prophecy is going to come true. God's going to make it come true. But they were not in Bethlehem. They were in Nazareth, which is about 80 miles from Bethlehem. So, how is this going to happen that the child is going to be born when it's supposed to be where it's supposed to be, right? Or not it where he is supposed to be. So, that kind of sets the stage now as we get into Luke 2, verse 1. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. And what I'm trying to say to you is that this is how God got it done. He somehow works even in pagan people, unbelieving people, in governments, in in countries, and he he ordained that this census would be taken in order that then people would have to go register in their hometown. Well, Joseph was from the family line of David. So in order to be registered, he had to go to his hometown, uh, his birth town, to be registered. So he had to go to Bethlehem. And that was the impetus to get Joseph and Mary to leave Nazareth to go to Bethlehem. So that's, that's how this is going to get done. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David. See, this is important because Jesus is from the family line of David, but he's also going to be born in the city of David, and he's going to be, it's going to fulfill the prophecy of Micah. To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. I always love this next verse because it says, while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And it's like God just orchestrated the timing. You know, nowadays we, we uh, what's the word that you use? Um, you know, you can, you can bring about a child through medicine if, they're, if they think the child is full term and uh, induced, uh, you can induce a child to come more so when you want it to come. But it wasn't like that in that day. So see how it just beautifully and wonderfully worked out that Mary was ready to conceive when they happened to be there. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And God brought about miraculously, hallelujah, the birth of his son in the city of David, just as he said. Now look at what happens, the glory of this. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Imagine being those shepherds in a dark of the night, and seeing the glory of the Lord shone around. And they were terribly frightened. Do you see that? It's always, when God shows up, there's a fear of God. We, we really need to have that fear and awe of God today. But then what does God do? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Isn't that lovely? That when you believe in Jesus, you don't have to be afraid. But yet it's proper to have reverence and awe and a proper fear of God. But then he settles our hearts because we're his child believe in him, dear church, for behold, I bring you, now listen to what it says, I bring you good news. Jesus is good news because the people of Jesus's day were under the law and they were under the curse of the law because they had not honored the Mosaic covenant. And the Mosaic covenant was a covenant of blessings and curses. It was a blessing if you followed it, but a curse to you if you disobeyed, because now you'd be under the penalty of the law. But Jesus Christ came to fulfill the Old Testament law and the sacrifice of himself in order to forgive our sin so that we would not have to bear the curse. Indeed, God put forth his Son to be a curse for us, to take our sin and forgive us through faith in his son. And then he had victory over death. And this is what the baby Jesus came to do. And it's good news. Jesus is good news. Why? Because we needed forgiveness. And Jesus came to give us that forgiveness. I bring you good news of great joy. It, the word there for great is mega. It's mega joy. Isn't that great? This is Jesus' mega joy, which will be for all the people. Do you know that? Anyone can be saved. Anyone can be forgiven. All who believe in Him. This Jesus died for all. Hallelujah! But you got to embrace Him, in order for it to be true for you. For today, in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. He's coming to save. He's coming to forgive. And He is Christ the Messiah, the promised one. Christ is a the Greek word for Messiah, which would be the Hebrew word, Messiah, and he is the promised one to come. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. So these shepherds are are getting this glory and these angels, and they're said, hey, you know what? Go find this baby. There's going to be, you'll find this baby. Now, they haven't seen the baby yet, so they're just being told this by the angels, and Listen to what happens when they're being told it. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. And hallelujah. We can have peace with God with whom he is pleased. Men with whom he is pleased. Do you know how you are pleasing to God? Is you got to get your sin removed. You got to get what separates us from God removed. And the way to get that removed is through faith in Jesus Christ who came to take your sin. And then you're pleasing to God because he's made you righteous. He's made you right before him. That's how we get pleasing to him is through the forgiveness, faith in his son and the forgiveness. Hallelujah. So they they have this grand thing happen in the sky. and But now it's like, could this really be? Is this going to happen? Now, I would think the magnificence of what just happened to them in the sky would be really encouraging, but yet even more so when they actually find the child, right? The the evidence of what's been promised to them. So when the angels had gone away from heaven, from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem, let's go right now and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way. Now, how did they find their way? Isn't that interesting? To Mary and Joseph. Uh, what a what a glorious thing that they found the child. And, you know, it's miraculous. God just makes things happen. and the ba- So they find Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, then they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. Can you imagine Mary, Joseph, we were just out in the field and these angels and the glory of the Lord shone around us and they told us to come here and, and find you. Can you imagine being Mary and hearing this after you've just given birth and just the whole astonishment of all of this happening around your child? And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. I would say so. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. She had to be just amazed. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. Do you see that now that they saw the fulfillment of what the angel said, it was just glorious to them. And imagine that testimony. This is what happened to us. And then we went and we found the baby. And, you know, what's going to be of this baby, this child? What an amazing set of circumstances. Oh, the glory of it all. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, see now, Joseph and Mary are under the Old Testament law and they are Jews and righteous Jews, God-fearing Jews who want to follow the law. You know, the church age is not in existence yet. Jesus is going to usher that in after his death on a cross, and then ultimately on Pentecost, 50 days after the death and resurrection of Jesus, when the church really begins. So right now, they're following everything according to the law, which is good and right, and what they should have did. So his name was then called Jesus. Do you know that Jesus means the one true God who saves. That's his name. The one true God who saves. The name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Remember that way back, Mary and Joseph got what they were to name the child. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, see, they're doing everything according to the law. They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. see so actually when god when God redeemed Israel out of Egypt at the Passover, God took Pharaoh and all the firstborn of the Egyptians and they, they died, even the firstborn cattle, and all the firstborn of Israel were not hurt by God's destruction at Passover because they put the blood of the lamb over their doorpost. So as a result, God said, Every firstborn is mine. You gotta dedicate the firstborn of your cattle, the firstborn of your womb. You need to dedicate those to me. They're mine because of the fact that I saved the firstborn. And then what God did is He said, This is what you can do, is you can redeem your firstborn where you don't have to like give them to me, but you come and make an offering, a sacrifice before me when you, when you have your firstborn and, and, then you, you know, you get to keep your firstborn and raise them, but you, 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 you make sure that you come before me and honor me basically like a thank offering that God, thank you for my firstborn. And I know that this child should be dedicated to you and, and I'm going to offer you or redeem this child with an offering. So that's what they're doing. They're following the old Testament law. So verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now they offered a, a sacrifice that, you know, indicates that they probably were not uh, very wealthy, Mary and Joseph, but they still honored the Lord in their sacrifice. Verse 25, and there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. See, so they're looking for God to come. And, you know, it was promised that uh, the Messiah would come. So there's godly people looking for for Jesus to come. And, you know, we're like that today. Jesus is going to come again, y'all. He's coming back again. And just like they were looking for Jesus to come, and he did, he is going to come again, and we're supposed to be looking for the return of Jesus Christ. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he actually got a special, you know, vision that he was going to actually see this child before he died. That's special, unusual, but really glorious. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Isn't that special? So he he just feels like God is God has fulfilled what he said he would do for this man that he would see Jesus. And it's really interesting what he says in verse 32 there: a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Jesus was a Jew born in a Jewish home, and he is fulfilling Jewish prophecy to come for Israel. But one of the things that Israel lost sight of in the Old Testament was that they were to be a blessing to the people around them and that Jesus would be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Another way to interpret that is the nations. So, you know, there's Jews and then there's everybody else. Well, the nations means everybody else, and sometimes that's called Gentiles. Like everyone else who was not part of Israel is part of the other nations and they're also called gentiles cuz they're not Jews. Well, well God had a care for the nations. He wanted Israel to be a blessing to the nations, but he did not want them to be polluted by the gods of the nations. So they were supposed to bless the nations but not get infiltrated by false worship to the gods of the nations. And that's where kind of it made it difficult because sometimes when they when they got too close to the Gentiles and nations, they started worshiping their gods. What they're supposed to do is remain wholly true to worshiping God alone and, and have the nations around them see the blessing that was on them. And then that, that they could help the nations to see that they also should work, worship Yahweh versus the Jews beginning to worship the gods of the Gentiles or of the nations. So anyways, it, it always was that God wanted to bless the, all the nations through faith in him, but we, we move on. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. I mean, can you imagine all of this before Joseph and Mary? And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the rise and fall of many in Israel for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may re, be revealed, and he's letting he he has a vision prophecy that you know many in Israel are going to be opposed, sadly, to this child. And although Mary, we don't believe she specifically was pierced with a sword, when your son gets pierced with a sword, it's as though your your soul gets pierced too, and and indeed that's what happened to Jesus. Verse thirty six, and there was a prophetess Anna, the daughter of Emanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple serving night and day with fastings and prayers. And at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him, Jesus, to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. See, looking for the redemption, you know, it's interesting what she was looking for. She had a vision that the Messiah was going to come, but I wonder if she thought Jerusalem was going to be redeemed to be an authority again, the Jews to be an authority. Um, Or maybe she accurately understood that Jesus is coming to redeem uh, uh, the problem that we have with sin. Uh, But a lot of the Jews of that day were looking for a ruler to come back and rule and reign, and he will, it's just not happening yet. Now, when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city of Nazareth. The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. That's really amazing that although Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, that he still had to grow. He he was born of a human, uh, but yet he was born miraculously through the, you know, immaculate conception, so to speak, that God brought about Uh, this baby in Mary's womb, but yet he still was a man. He's a God man, and he had to grow up. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. We don't hear a lot about Jesus's younger years, but we have one story here. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. Now, remember, they're supposed to celebrate the Passover every year. And indeed, you know, Jesus on the last night of his life is celebrating Passover with his apostles in the upper room and that's the night he gives them bread and wine to symbolize his body and blood that's about to be shed and in that same passover day he's gives his life up on the cross but his parents are honoring passover too and they're going up to jerusalem to honor passover and that's something we're still supposed to remember today is both passover and the last supper and the giving of jesus's life all that happened on the same day it's a glorious thing We've taught on that a lot. You could hear more about that teaching by looking at uh, the teaching I've given on Exodus chapter 12, if you want to look that up. But but his parents were unaware of it, um, But, or excuse me, and they were returning after spending the full number of days. The boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Jerusalem. So they went up to the feast, but they went up as a big group, and then they thought Jesus was coming back with them, but Jesus stayed in Jerusalem longer, and his parents were unaware of it. That's what happened. Uh, We've all, do you guys kind of remember doing stuff like that when you were a kid? And maybe you, you, I don't know, I remember getting lost in in, uh, Yellowstone. I was lost for like a half a day in Yellowstone. It was a very scary thing. And all the park rangers had to come looking for me, and they found me crying on a pier. I was like, I don't know, six or seven years old. But uh, talk about my mom being nervous. Uh, I got, my brother and I went for a race through the woods and I got lost in Yellowstone National Park, but I digress. Anyways, but his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey. And they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. So as they're heading back, they're like, where's Jesus? When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, can you imagine that? They lost him for three days. I'm sure my mom is listening. Mom, you only, I only got lost for several hours. Imagine if I was lost for three days, Mom. You would have really been scared. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Jesus was there, you know, digging into the word and discussing things of God. He had a keen interest on this as a young man. Hallelujah. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Uh, you know, I, I, w- I would imagine that God obviously had in Jesus special wisdom and understanding. And I also think, you know, he grew up in a devout home. And Mary and Joseph, uh, I think they're probably doing their job to raise up this child to, to, to know the law of the Lord. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? (laughs) Oh, what an interesting thing. You know, I would imagine they had to be like, you know, how do you respond to that, right? But, I mean, they had to be distraught, losing him for three days but they did not understand the statement which he had made to them and he went down with them and came to nazareth and he can, continued to be in subjection to them and his mother treasured all these things in her heart so it, you know a child is supposed to be obedient to their parents and i think in verse 51 it's saying you know what jesus didn't do this all the time he he remained in subjection to them as a child should be obedient to his parents but Mary treasured up all these stories in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. What a beautiful statement that is, verse 52. And you know, obviously Jesus is unique and you know special and different than us. But yet that doesn't mean that this statement can't be true of us. Listen to this. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And you know, may we do that. May we continue to grow in wisdom. And I believe as we seek God, as we follow God, and as we grow in His Word, as we mature, that we grow in favor with God and with men. When you do what's right, it it gives favor with God and with men. And what a blessing that is to have that in life. May we all keep growing. May we grow all the way up until the point that God comes back or to the day that we die to be go home with our Lord. May we keep increasing. You know what? Well done in going through this journey of the word of God. Keep going. Don't give up. There is blessing in it now and forever. Hallelujah.